to Leitner. Puts it up. You're listening to the Culture State Podcast. Get ready. Here we go. They haven't fired us yet. Not yet. They haven't kicked us out of the building yet. (laughs) We're still here trying to give you some culture from North Carolina. The Culture State Podcast. Chris Lee, D.C. Dennis Cox over there. He's on the ones and twos, or not really ones and twos, but over there just, you know, on the boards, making everything sound nice. How are you doing today, man? You know, I'm pushing some buttons. I'm doing all right. My man, D.C., there's something you had on your mind. What's, what is what is that you had on your mind? What, what can I answer for you as we get ready for John X. Miller to come on the podcast? Okay. Growing up in Virginia, one thing that was never really prevalent to me was HBCUs. I never really knew much of anything about them, never had experienced one, never... The only one I really knew of was Hampton, just because they were the only Division One school, as far as I remember, mm-hmm. in Virginia. I knew Howard was in D.C., but I heard of Virginia State and Virginia Union. The only reason why I heard because of those schools was because Ben Wallace went to one of them. I can't even remember off the top of my head which one he went to. But when I moved down here to North Carolina, when I first lived in Fayetteville, I met a bunch of people who went to Fayetteville State, met people who went to Shaw, North Carolina Central, Winston-Salem State, St. Augustine. So many of these HBCUs that I had never even known about, but you mm-hmm. had a couple where you grew up in your backyard in the triad, Winston-Salem State and North Carolina A&T. And also Bennett College. Yeah, Bennett. That's right. Yeah. It's, you know, it's it's really prevalent in North Carolina. There's so many. Um, I mean, we said three right there. Then St. Augustine Shaw, you said that. Uh, Johnson C. Smith, Fayetteville State, and Elizabeth City State. I, I believe that's all of them because it's, it's, a, it's a bunch of North Carolina. Um, yeah, just my parents went to A&T. So, you know, growing up, I had uh, an introduction to what HBCU homecomings were like and, you know, going to those. My sister went to FAMU uh, down in Florida. So I've experienced their homecoming. And, um, you know, I, I didn't end up going to an HBCU. I went to UNCG. But since we didn't have a football team, A&T's homecoming was like my homecoming. So, Every year in college, that's what I participated in was A&T's homecoming. So it feels like A&T's homecoming is my homecoming, even though that's not my, my school officially. And um, yeah, it's just I, I, I love the the feeling around HBCUs. Do you do you know some of the history behind uh, why they exist? I do know some of the history, but I'm not going to lie. I don't fully know. Yeah. So um, one of the things, you know, you know, clearly things were different. We had some race issues, we issues, but we had some uh, really, really deep race issues, uh, you know, back in the 1800s. So um, that was around a time where a lot of folks who uh, were either children of former freed uh, enslaved folks or people who were enslaved, they wanted to get educations. And of course, you know, um, University of North Carolina, um, Trinity College, later known as Duke, NC State, you know, those types of universities weren't letting um, people who were African-American in their schools, even if they were uh, qualified on paper. And so um, what ended up happening is uh, a lot of states, because, you know, um, it was something that, you know, a lot of people wanted, would give land grants and open up these, you know, state-run colleges and, and basically say, this is where you, Black people, can go. And so that's where, you know, those are basically the, the basic stories of A&T and from Winston-Salem State, those state schools like that. And, um, 
and so it, it just started a lot of traditions there that that's where black people could go get uh, educated and, and get you know you know degrees and and learn things and and that's where a lot of the professional class of uh, of black people started after um you know slavery was kind of over and then you know it still took a while because you know a lot of these universities didn't start uh, opening up their enrollments until uh, either the 50s or 60s some of them even even the 70s and um and so if you're for so long for 80 plus years there are these universities that were around and generations of people went to these universities so it became almost like a tradition and you know you'd hear people now say like well you know why do people still go to hbcus and it's like you know it's it's become a tradition before it started off as something where it's like ah just be quiet and just go over here and you can go to school and it turned into like hey even though uh we've been you know put down because of how we look we've come together and realized how beautiful we are and it's not to exclude anybody um at all because you know there's a lot of you look at like ant's baseball team pretty much mostly white guys but you know anybody can come um but this is where we feel safe and then we can celebrate who we are as uh, as black people without feeling like you know uh we're being put down and so um it's it's been a beautiful thing i i implore you to try to go to an uh hbcu homecoming at some point um i would i've heard howard's really good i've heard um, Hampton is really good. A&T is definitely good. And FAMU is really good. Those I've been to the last two. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been, it's been interesting. I'm hoping that A&T opens up a master's in communication. Um, okay. so I can get my master's from A&T so I can get that HBCU degree. There's a HBCU I've always have taken a liking to, and I never even stepped foot on the campus is Morgan State. One of the reasons why I follow Morgan State or have paid attention to Morgan State is because they were the first ever HBCU to have a varsity men's lacrosse program. So that's one of the reasons why I actually started paying attention. There was a book I read years ago, a teammate of mine who was black and gave me the book. He, he suggested it. It's called Ten Bears. And it was a story about how the Morgan State Bears were the first HBCU school to have a lacrosse team and how – Oh. They, yeah, they were the first one to ever have a varsity lacrosse team. John X. Miller was at Washington and Lee University when Washington and Lee was one of the one of the top ranked teams in the country, and Morgan State beat them at Washington and Lee. So it was wow. uh, yeah. So John X. Miller was actually at WNL. He and I have talked about this. One of their top players, his name was Miles Harrison. His son Kyle Harrison played at Johns Hopkins and was one of the top players that I actually watched. He was in college when I was in high school and has been one of the faces of lacrosse since his time at Johns Hopkins when he started in the early 2000s, and he's still playing professional till this day. So I look and say at Morgan State, if that program wasn't as successful as it was and Miles Harrison being as successful of a player as he was, who knows that we may not have someone like Kyle Harrison being one of the faces of a sport that I love like lacrosse and who is a Tawaraton Trophy winner? The Tawaraton is the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy for lacrosse. Nice. That's what it is. And he won that, and he's representing this at a private university like Johns Hopkins, which is, you know, these one of the top schools, one of the blue bloods when it comes to lacrosse. I mean, Johns Hopkins is like Carolina basketball. That's mm. what they are. It's synonymous. Like, oh, you think of North Carolina, you think of basketball. You think Johns Hopkins, you think mm-hmm. lacrosse. That's just, They're not like NC State? Well, 
NC State actually used to have varsity lacrosse. That is a <laughs> different story for a different time. Actually, well, one of, I mean, you used <laughs> used it as you know, North Carolina basketball as a standard. So I just yeah. wanted to for the NC State fans that may get mad at that. I just wanted to make sure that you're saying yes, that not like exactly. Yes, it's not. This is not. A, this is not a UNC <laughs> podcast. It's not an NC State podcast. All right, now the person that we are going to talk to, John X Miller, is a big UNC basketball fan. So we'll definitely talk about oh, that for sure. Okay. All right, we're back again. I'm Chris Lee. That's DC over there. And right now on the line, we have Mr. John X. Miller from ESPN's The Undefeated. Thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Uh, good to be here. Good to be here. I, I look on this bio and I see Winston-Salem, so I definitely have to ask you this. Um, what do you feel about mountain fried chicken? It's the best. <laughs> I knew it. Best. I knew he was going to say it. I need educated. I knew I he need was educated. Yeah, every time educated. I go to Winston, man, every time I go to Winston on Akron Drive, there's mountain fried chicken. So. I was, I was going to ask you, that was going to be the next question. Which one you got to go? Cause you got to go to Akron Drive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, you know, I'm a, I'm vegan now, so I can't have it. Okay. But back in, in the day when I used to love chicken, mm-hmm. that was one of the spots. Mm-hmm. And there's a newer spot in Winston-Salem called Primetime. I, I like that spot too. Primetime. Okay, I haven't been back in about a year. Okay, well, it, obviously, but uh, that's uh, but next time I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty good. Oh, it's oh, on oh. University. Yes, 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 yes. Prime time, right, right across from the Coliseum. Yep. Okay. Okay. Dennis is like, "What are you guys talking about? <laughs> I know what you're talking about. We gotta take a food tour one day. I, I, I am down for a food tour for fried chicken. Let's go. Well, you know, speaking of food, uh, my niece, uh, my niece is uh, Nikki Miller. Uh, she's a, a food blogger who lives in Winston and. Uh, works for the uh, Triad City Beats. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, and so, as far as food is concerned, she's got Winston on lockdown, man. Uh, she knew about prime time. She knew, you know, the restaurants on Fourth Street. Some yeah. of the ones that won't Sweet. be coming back after the pan- pandemic, oh, right? Wow, yeah, yeah. She she you know frequented those places and wrote. She wrote for the Journal. Uh, when I was <clears throat> managing editor there, I had to write a couple of pieces, and of course, food was a big thing with the journal as far as uh the, the restaurants and foothills uh so matter of fact matter of fact when you get a chance to google nikki n-i-k-k-i miller uh and put in foothills uh she just wrote a blog a couple of days ago uh about um blackness and white businesses and businesses that have profited off of black labor Mm. Uh, without acknowledging it. Well, I'll definitely uh, have to check yeah. that out. So I, I want to thank you for, for joining us today. Um, you know, when I look at your resume, you're like one of the heroes for mm-hmm. young journalists, uh, you know, just how you kind of started off in the world and everything. And then also being me, I'm from the triad and seeing that you're the managing editor of the Winston Salem journal, uh, then to go to, uh, the undefeated is that's huge, uh, for me. So what is, so what are some of your thoughts about your journey through, uh, journalism and, and the, the spectrum and the lens, I'm sorry, that you've been able to look through, uh, in this world to get to where you're at right now? Um, that's a broad question, but it is very, broad. Sorry. but, but, you know, <laughs> you know, because I, because I have on my resume, uh, that I'm the, I was an original editor, uh, at USA Today newspaper sports department in 1982. Mm. In 1982, I was probably 26, 27 years old. Uh, and to be a part of the start of USA Today, which was completely new for newspapers. Uh, you know, newspapers were a, a generation much a generation behind of where they are now. 
Um, and so there was no internet. Okay. And so the newspapers were still the dominant form of kind of local and national news. Uh, and then here being a part of that startup um, and now working for the undefeated as a startup and seeing where and how my career went from being at USA Today at now and the undefeated. Uh, and so uh, technology changed during that time period, right? And so technology, whether it was printing presses or whether it was when I first started as a journalist, manual typewriters, scanner paper, uh, no laptops, right? You had some desktops, but everything was written mm. uh, and just barely going into the computer age, right? And so um, we had to use our hands and, 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 and our minds in different ways. But the thing that I learned my first job at the Roanoke Times and World News that I've taken with me, one is how you treat people, okay? Because the same people you see going up, you'll see them coming down. Okay, you've heard that mm -hmm. uh, expression before. Too. And so to, to, to say that means, you know, to, to work hard, um, uh, but also to, to know when to work hard, right? Because journalists, we get burned out easily, right? And particularly now in times of COVID where, we're, where our office is our home and our home is our office, right? We can get burned out easily over a period of time if we don't learn how to relax, learn how to meditate, learn how to step away. I learned that early on when I worked at USA Today because with a new family, I needed to step away from work sometime. And that was one of those life lessons I learned that I keep throughout my life. John, for those who don't know what The Undefeated is, mm -hmm. explain the purpose behind the creation of The Undefeated and its affiliation with ESPN. Oh, that's good. That's a good origin story. Okay. Uh, the origin of the undefeated is Bill Roden and John Skipper. John Skipper, former president of ESPN for about seven or eight years, left December, I think, of 2018. He had some personal issues. But years before, Bill and, and, and John had talked about a site about the, the intersection of race and sports and culture. They'd known each other for uh, years. Yeah. And starts having that conversation. So had the conversation. Uh, uh, Jason Whitlock, who was working at the time for ESPN and, and Skipper had hired, Skipper said, okay, uh, Whitlock, you're going to be the editor-in-chief of The Undefeated. And uh, started forming a staff back in 2014. Um, and um, I know because I talked to Whitlock about working for The Undefeated and working for him. I chose not to. I had just gotten to the journal. And so, okay, I'm not going to work for Whitlock. One, he has no management experience. And secondly, I just got the job at the journal, right? <laughs> that was more important. I got the job at the journal and my hometown paper. Why am I going to go take a flyer with this guy, yeah. right? Okay, okay. So fast forward for me, two years, uh, you know, Whitlock gets fired. People who are, you know, who were moved to LA to, to live out there and work out there with him, they, they went their separate ways. And then, and then Skipper talked to Kevin Merritt and got Kevin to be editor-in-chief. And Kevin said, the, uh, if I'm going to be editor-in-chief, it's got to be in D.C. I'm not moving to Bristol. Because Kevin, you know, long time at managing editor at the, New York, I mean, the Washington Post. So he assembled a staff, uh, including me, because basically Skipper and Roden and them said, you know, talk to John X because he knows HBCUs. He's an experienced editor. Uh, and I knew Kevin, too. He's on the Maynard Institute Board of uh, Journalism Education with me, um, Maynard Institute. And so 
I said, no brainer, right? Uh, so I left the journal and come to work for ESPN because I knew as a startup and with Skipper behind it, you know, it was not going to fail miserably like a lot of startups do. I learned that from USA Today, right? As long as you've got some power behind you, you know, USA Today had Gannett, the whole of Gannett behind it when it started. And so I knew if ESPN would tackle it, it's not going anywhere. And so Kevin, because of his journalism experience and his life growing up as a black man, covering politics as a black man, doing the work he did, you know, he, we set out from the start. We set out from the start to think about life through the black gaze and being triumphant about it, right? You know, not not in a in a in a way that doesn't look at it critically, but looks at it, you know, um, uh, intellectually and spiritually and and holistically. Uh, and it, of course, is sports, right? And so that gave us an opportunity to, to look at an athletes' lives, to gain some credibility. You know, at first it was kind of, you know, we we got Michael Jordan the first two months into our existence with with his piece, and that drew a lot of attention early on. Six million page views in one day for a new website, like a month, two months old. Uh, and then over the last four years, we have evolved from essentially being uh, multi, I mean, a, just a, a, a website to now uh, going into the, the fifth year anniversary of Undefeated. We are now producing movies. We are, we are now going to, we also have a, record label called uh music of the movement uh wow. we're dropping right. yeah we're dropping a we're dropping an ep our second ep on that before the end of the month um there was a movie on last night uh with nat geo nat geo and you and the undefeated produced a movie called march on washington uh and the producer on that movie was jesse washington um and so you know, our writers and our editors are now reaching into other parts of Disney. Uh, you know, we're working on a pilot for ABC on a, a, a Oprah-like program, um, talk program around race, right? A regularly scheduled program around race. And they're trying to frame it now in ways that, you know, include the audience, right, interactively so that in real time we can hear feel and think what people are right and so the undefeated is going to have a segment in that program now we don't know what it's going to look like yet but it's in it's in um it's in discussion wow that sounds awesome uh, sounds like something i would want to watch for sure well and and then of course why not us the chris paul uh docuseries yeah, so it's good that you mentioned that uh, that movie. I, I've seen this new documentary uh, from CP3 and North Carolina Central. I haven't actually had a chance to watch any episodes yet, but it's kind of cool that The Undefeated is doing uh, something on that, along with CP3, kind of highlighting what's happening at um, at HBCUs. What Tell us a little bit more about this documentary and how it came about and how Chris Paul kind of got involved with everything. Okay, well, Chris Paul and his brother, uh, CJ were the catalyst for this. Um, Chris's background is in Winston-Salem and is on Tobacco Road. Mm -hmm. uh, it's Carolina basketball. And so there's a story that we published uh, yesterday by one of those Roden fellows. Uh, her name is Jayla Jordan. And she did the piece on Paul and Why Not Us. And it was a really great interview by a college student who we are mentoring and who I mentored particularly on this story. 
about trying not to panic when you're interviewing Chris Paul and you only got 10 minutes uh, and asking the right questions, right? And so um, the story, if you read her story, uh, Why Not Us, North Carolina Central Men's Basketball docu-series, it explains it from Paul's perspective. And she's such a good reporter, you hear his voice in the story. And so basically he talked about, you know, growing up in Winston-Salem, growing up on Tobacco Road and understanding that as his parents went to Winston-Salem State, as he hung out at Winston-Salem State when he was going to Wake Forest, uh, and then he understood the value of what the lessons of basketball taught him, um, you know, he wanted to give back. And so he gives back in multiple ways. And he knew Coach Moten. He knew of North Carolina Central. He knew that they were winners, right? The last three seasons they went to the NCAA. Um, and he also knew Moten because some of Chris Paul's uh, AAU players uh, played at Central. And so he wanted to tell that story. So he went to, to Coach Moten and he said, okay, let's do it. And then Chris came to the ESPN. In a matter, really, in a matter of like two months, it went from an idea to production. And so that nice. meant, you know, twice, twice or three times weekly uh, uh, Zoom calls on all the details. And so ESPN Plus, and the undefeated and Disney all said, okay, this would be a great opportunity to launch the undefeated on ESPN plus as a paid platform. I mean, it's content that can be paid for, right? Generating new content. So, you know, Chris Paul said, Hey, that's fine. Let's brand it. However. Right. But this is, this is at the heart of being an HBCU student. This is at the heart of being an HBCU. Right. And this was happening in the moment of Kamala Harris. This was happening in the moment of black lives matter movement. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was, a, it was a confluence of things. And so it's the right moment. Uh, so now we have the undefeated on ESPN plus, and this is the first of why not us uh, series. And so the series is going to follow, you know, it was going to start in November if there had not been a pandemic or if we had gone back to ball and, you know, we would see more ball. But now that we're moving toward the end of the season and the NCAA tournament, now there's going to be some basketball. And so now it kind of lends itself to establishing stories of the kids uh, of, of coach and his family of the routine of practice of what it looks like to go to school. Uh, but it's still not a, it's still not a, you know, totally realistic look because it's during COVID. Right. Right. And so we're, we're, you know, all these things are, haven't been shot yet. Right. Cause we're shooting it live and producing it kind of week to week. Now, speaking <laughs> yeah. of basketball, you're a diehard UNC fan. My understanding. How, how did that mm -hmm. fandom come about? Mm -hmm. Oh Lord. Charlie Scott. Okay, Charlie Scott, first black player playing ACC. Okay, played All with right. Dean. Uh, I remember watching him on the black and white screen, man. Uh, and so through the years, you know, big house games, I knew him and knew about basketball and growing up with basketball, and I knew he knew Dean and and you know the Olympic team and and being on Tobacco Road, and so Carolina basketball always epitomizes the you know Phil Ford, right? You know, cerebral basketball, but also at a point where you had a you had, you know, the way Roy does now. When he has the athletes, you know, he'll score 100, you know, 100 points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. And so the game is a fast break, defensive game. They were playing that game at Winston-Salem State with Earl Monroe. They were doing the same thing at North Carolina Central with John McClendon. And and in the first episode, uh, uh, Moten talks about John McClendon and the style of basketball that he helped engender in North Carolina. Mm. And so in, 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 the, in, the, in the root of North Carolina basketball 
with Frank McGuire, right? You guys don't know this, but you know Frank McGuire at uh, at South Carolina. You know some of the great basketball coaches of Dean Smith's, even before Dean Smith, they were all centered in in that part of North Carolina, and in that time frame, John McClendon was at North Carolina Central, uh, and so you know they would see each other play. They would, you know, they wouldn't necessarily like show up and sit on the stands, but they will, you know, they go by the playground or they go to the gyms because these coaches had those associations, particularly geographically. So McGuire knew McClendon. Um, and that's in a book uh, about McClendon's life. So all that to say, uh, sorry, went off on a tangent. <laughs> all that to say is that um, Carolina basketball through the years also epitomized excellence, right? And the other thing is that I, no matter where I lived, right, and I've worked for eight different newspapers and now live in D.C. and are going to move again soon probably, but um, North Carolina basketball has been great through all those years. And and I, my one of my favorite moments in life, right, is the, the, uh, the, 20, uh, the 2009 National Championship game against Michigan State at uh, in Detroit. Uh, I was at the game and I was just like, you know, going nuts, right? Because at halftime, we were up 23, 24 points. And we were beating Michigan State in their backyard, beating them to death with Psycho T. Psycho T. <laughs> <Psycho> T. <laughs> okay, y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that was one of my highlights of my life, seeing and being in person, seeing all these crestfallen uh, 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 Michigan State fans just kind of wallowing in their grief because there was going to be no comeback. Because by halftime, the game was decided. And then, you know, so they, yeah, so I, it was, it was, it was great. So I, I, um, I kind of want to know like what kind of UNC fan you are, because it, sometimes people, you could tell like which era that they really, <laughs> really love Carolina basketball from based on who you hate the most. Do you oh, hate yeah. NC State the most or do you hate Duke the uh, most? Wow. That's a good question. <laughs> I got to hate Duke the most. I got to uh, hate Duke the most. Okay. Yeah, all right. All right. Okay. Why? Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, because you know, at, you know, they were comparable in in being able to outplay and out strategize you. They had the great athletes like mm. uh, um, um, uh, Grant Hill, right? Yeah, uh, and so Grant Hill could have been a Michael Jordan, right? Yeah, I was in Detroit when he came to the Pistons, right? And he was the truth. Okay, but he got injured. Jordan yeah. did. Those, right? Yeah, those injuries really, really yeah. changed yes. his career yes. for sure. Yes. And so, so, but he, and he had the persona too, right? He was a nice kid, right? You know, he had the pedigree, right? And so he would have been a great uh, uh, Carolina player too, right? So they had great players and, and they had great coaching. I, you can't deny, you know, uh, you know, Kersevsky. Um during those years, during the, during the nineties, really, when he had to beat UNLV, when he had to beat Kentucky, mm-hmm. Uh, right. And so you don't do that unless you know what you're doing and you don't do it consistently. Uh, and then the other reason I hate him is Leitner. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's most people's story, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, but I tell you, we did, uh, we did a great 30 for 30 on Christian Leitner. Uh, I can't, and and I think in the title, the word hate was in the the title. Yeah. Um, Uh, but, but it was very good. Right. And, and it was, it was good because, you know, you gotta love at, at the bottom. You you know, you gotta love a competitor who, who has learned from that, but also is not is not the demon that we thought they were, right? Um, and so you know, I think one of the things that we're, for instance, working on now is we're working on thirty for thirty ideas, because now you know we have an opportunity to, to do some of these, right? Because we're you know because you know, like I said, we're hiring lots of people, 
And so we're going to generate these kind of ideas that can be produced primarily in the video or video series, mm. because, you know, that's the medium that is Disney. Right. Uh, and so, you know, we're going to, you know, continue to, to have a robust website, but I'd say, and, you know, we also have a book imprint, right? So let me say that too. We have a book imprint that, that we're looking for books. Jason Reed, our NFL writer, he's writing a book now on black quarterbacks that's going to publish this year. Nice. So we're going to have books, we're going to have movies, uh, docu-series, and who knows else. Uh, so John Skipper and Bill Roden's idea has transformed into something they probably hadn't envisioned. They had hoped for it, perhaps, right? But maybe not envisioned, but it's a confluence of, you know, timing and uh, opportunity. I'm definitely a fan of the undefeated, and I'll I'll definitely make sure I'll keep my eyes out for everything. Uh, love the work that you guys are doing over there for sure. Well, you know, you know, DC, shoot me any ideas or anything like that too, because, you know, I, you know, my heart is into HBCU sports, right? Because I lived it, right? Uh, even though I went to Washington, Lee, my dad was a coach uh, at Winston-Salem State with Big House Gaines, and so I grew up with it. Uh, every nice. Saturday, you know, every uh, me and Clarence Gaines, Big House's son, used to, you know, go under the bleachers at Whitaker Gymnasium and get women's pocketbooks that have fallen on the oh on the, wow, yeah, fallen below. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we used to get because we were kids, right? They say, hey, look, I give you a dollar, you go down and get my pocketbook. So hey, and I know, right I know you were sweating your tail off too because Whitaker Gym is hot. Woo! It was a hot box. Oh, my God. It was a hot box. (laughs) It was a hot box. But I just want to say for those out there who are interested to hearing more what John X. Miller has to say, Tuesday mornings on Buzz Sports Radio. You can Mm -hmm. listen to it on WREL Sports Fan, WREL Sports Fan app. He joins the sports shop every Tuesday at about 825, the undefeated spotlight with John X. Miller. So tune into that. John, thank you so much for joining Culture State. This was absolutely awesome. All right, guys, I appreciate the time, and I uh, hope I didn't go on too much there. Oh, you're fine. Uh, if people want to meet <laughs> you. Because I know there's editing, too. <laughs> if people want to meet you at uh, at, at uh, Mountain Fried Chicken on Akron Drive whenever oh, you yeah. come in town, too, I know they'll love oh, to talk yeah. to you then. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be, yes, yes. Last, like I said, last time I was there, I was uh, in Winston. I went, and next time I'm there, I'll do the same. No doubt. <laughs> well, good to talk to you. I appreciate it. All right, guys, good talking John, to you. John, thanks so much. Really do appreciate your time. Yeah, for me, it's always cool to talk about or talk to somebody who has triad ties mm-hmm. and hearing all his stories, uh, hearing about Winston-Salem State and every, just everything else. It was just awesome just to hear from John X. Miller. So uh, thank you so much for, for setting yeah. that up for sure. Well, I, thanks. shout out to our guys from the sports shop, Reese, K-Mac, Jasmine. Mm-hmm. I asked them, hey, I know he's a regular guest for you all. Would, you, would it be okay if I asked him to come on Culture Day? I would love to talk to him. They said, sure, absolutely, because – you know, sometimes in media, when you have regular guests, things like, I don't want to steal guests from people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just don't want to do that because it's happened to me before. It's like, I'm cool with it. Just, you know, ask. But nevertheless, super, super cool guy. I love being able to hear him talk every week. I, so I, I'm, I'm spoiled in that regard. Producing Sports Shop. I know every Tuesday I get to listen to John X. Miller talk about the latest happenings on The Undefeated. And the insight that he provides and his knowledge is just, it's mind-blowing in a good way and you know the crazy thing for me is um you know looking up looking him up and i've seen his face he looks so familiar and i'm pretty sure i've ran into him a few times somewhere in the triad maybe even at mountain fried chicken who knows i'm I'm curious about this fried chicken by the way (laughs) i feel like you're holding back on me chris um you know it's you know i don't i don't eat that anymore 
so yeah. I, I don't necessarily think about it, but when he you said he was from Winston Salem, I was like, oh, I got to ask him about this. I know I know what he's about to say for this, but uh, but maybe one day we could take a food tour. We just head on, you know, I forty West, stop over there, you know, Akron Drive. Let's go. Why aren't we there now? <laughs> Why aren't we there now? That's what I want. We'll take know. about a couple hours, but we can get there. We'll get there. <laughs> All right. You know what to do. Follow yep. Chris Lee at Chris Lee TV. Yep. Give me a follow at the fan rookie. Follow us at Culture State Pod. Yep. And we need five stars on this podcast. Thick five stars. Thick five stars with two C's. And we are really, really appreciate it. And when COVID is over, we'll give you a nice hug if you gave us five stars. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Culture State Podcast. <laughs> the Culture State Podcast, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network, with new shows coming out every Wednesday. Download and subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts, including the WREL Sports Fan app.